0: You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information.
1: This is The Human Condition. We're live. I'm Vince Orlando, here with our, our guest, our, uh, therapist extraordinaire. This is Julie Barron. Um, for anybody who, who read Julie's bio on the page, um, I didn't know that uh, there were masters and in, in what what Julia has acquired, even though I've known most of my life that it should exist. Um, you know, from my first experience with ketamine, which I, I, anybody who knows my story knows that I credit my first experience with ketamine with, uh, changing, it it was the beginning of the path. Um, it was a revelation to me of, uh, emotions that were foreign to me. I, I was completely closed off to them. I had never, I had never felt them before in my life, and, and uh, once I experienced it, I couldn't deny it. Or if I wanted to deny it, it would have taken a serious amount of uh, darkness, um, perpetual drugs, alcohol, something like that, to, to be able to mask the fact that that was there and that was being driven towards something. But Julie is a uh, psychedelic integration therapist, and what she does, um, for those of you who didn't read it, She, uh, she integrates the psychedelic experience into real life because somebody in her position realizes that there's value there. And, um, you know, I don't want to speak too much for you. I'll let you explain all this, but I realize there's value there too. I, I come from the the school of thought where, um, the non-dual is the truth. So we're, uh, spiritual beings having a human experience. This here is a facade, um, most of the great thinkers would agree, even scientific. Albert Einstein would say, reality is an illusion, albeit a very perceptive one. This is real, what's happening to us, this phenomenon. But when you strip us down to the core of what we are, we're energy. That's it. We're, we're nothing solid. We're energy uh, floating around in infinite space-time, interacting with one another, creating phenomena. And uh, and that's 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 what we are. So when you strip us down to that, well... How could the other side not be more real? And that's what happened for me, and what happens for me now on a more continuous basis. Because I'll go in and I'll see Julie. This is legal now. I, I, four years ago, maybe it, it became legal. Um, ketamine therapy and under the supervision of a uh, therapist. So I'll go in and I'll have the experience. Only the difference now is that she's there taking notes, and when I come out, I get to discuss what what happened and. That, it has been uh, a night and day experience from uh, the first time. And, it, and I was, anybody who talks to me about this and knew me then knows the change and, and they can see it. So I, this is an extremely valuable, um, necessary uh, leg of, of the discipline that I think uh I hope that we see more of, and it seems like we are, but Julie, do you
0: want to talk a little bit about what you do? Yeah, hi. Thanks for inviting me to be on the podcast today. I'm really happy to be here. Um, I really am thankful that you opened the time and space and uh, to have this discussion, because I think it's really, really important. Um, yeah, I actually have a, um, a master's degree in transpersonal counseling psychology and music therapy. And so um, I was trained to work with non-ordinary states of consciousness. Um, And it was quite a while ago. (laughs) I graduated my master's program in 2003. So um, it's been about 17 years um, since then. And um, it's an extraordinary program that I went to. It itself was unlike anything else. It's a, um, a program at a very small Buddhist university. In Boulder. That's
1: what what I'm talking about.
0: (laughs) And um, they really uh, approached um, the the approach to therapy was um, uncovering yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, until you've done your own work, you will struggle to help other people, right? And so the basis for that was through um, meditation. So we did a lot. We probably did like nine hours of meditation per week in class and um, worked with meditation instructors, private instructors, and you work with a therapist. Um, like I said, we did work with non-ordinary states of consciousness um, in which we use holotropic breath work as the basis, right? Because those substances... Um, now are at least in some clinical studies and research, even in Boulder. But at that time, there weren't. Um, And so we use other forms of getting to non-ordinary states of consciousness, obviously music as well.
1: That's interesting. Uh, Music, well, it's all frequency, right? It's a way of manipulating frequency, wouldn't you
0: say? Yes, exactly. Yeah, that is exactly right. Yeah. And music can allow people to... um, go to those states where, um, you know, you can like through, um, chanting, like through om, oming, um, through different, like, you know, the sound healing baths that we do these days, you know, that you kind of find all over, um, that can definitely bring you into sort of altered state of consciousness. Um, yeah. And it's based in, in frequency and vibration. Mm-hmm.
1: And when I, when I explain my experience with, uh, ketamine, it's uh, in the simplest way that I can explain it it is chemically induced transcendental meditation for me oh. you know and that to me that's all it was because you know and I, and, and I got nerdy with it I, I started studying the mechanisms because i I'm very right and left brain you know I, they work in tandem and if one doesn't understand the other you know so I'm always finding that's why that's why uh spirituality it's actually quantum physics that brought me back into the realm of spirituality because I started to understand energy in that way. But um, but that's all it was. It it took it, I was I intellectually knew what the benefits of, of uh meditation were and I wanted to achieve what they were talking about so bad because I believed it at the core of my being. I knew that what they were saying was true. But I was so controlling and uh so afraid of failure, that I couldn't sit in a room by myself for five minutes and uh, be okay with not getting it right, quote, unquote, right, perfect. I, I still suffered very much from the, the disease of perfectionism. So for somebody like me who couldn't even sit with himself um, because I would make fun of me, um, mm-hmm. my ego would make fun of me because I'm not perfect immediately, um, I needed that. Without that, without that um, unveiling, so to speak, It's uh, it never becomes clear or it may, you know, people grow two ways, right? Choice or trauma. And uh, for me, it was going to be trauma every time I I was too controlled. I was too busy protecting myself. So when that happened, um, the frequency changed, you know, and I I love what Tesla, um, you know, and I'll I'll paraphrase his quote. But he says, if you really want to know what God is, um, what the universe is, you better start talking in the language of frequency. You know, energy, because that's what it truly is at at its course, what it truly is. And I love that there's something out there that, you know, if you're born at a disadvantage as it pertains to um, accessing your truth, which I would say the majority of us are some worse than others. Right. Mm
0: -hmm. Um,
1: But if you are that, there's something that can give you that boost, you know, Um, for me, for me, when I did it, I didn't have anybody there to take it seriously. I had a bunch of friends that went to clubs and did it and they weren't doing it for the same reason I was doing it somewhere, but we didn't know what we were doing. We were just mm-hmm. reading books and sharing information. Um, and it was still illegal. So you still felt dirty, not really dirty. Cause I don't, I don't really care, but like, but there's still that you're doing your criminal, you know what I mean? So you'd be in your house in, in, engaged in this, uh, really spiritual ritual worried that a cop might kick it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like so yeah. there's, there's this, and it's kind of messing with the experience, but yes, that's right. Uh, mm-hmm. But the fact that you exist and, and, uh, you know, a 15 year old kid who's on their way to the psych ward, which I was, um, might do better here. You know, let's break that down, sit with them for a minute because they're, because really what it is, right. Is there's a, there's a block in the neural pathways and that's what, and they can't bypass it. They don't have the tools available to them, or they're available, but they don't know how to use them. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, that's a really great description, actually. Um, And um, there was something you said a minute ago that I really wanted to address, but I'll go back even further about um, frequency and and energy, because this is something that um, I really wasn't aware of before um, deep psychedelic use. And um, it's the one thing that's become incredibly clear to me. And it's the one thing that's apparent as I do the work that I do and I witness countless people having these experiences. Mm -hmm. And and when they come back, they bring messages back. Right. And those messages are very similar. (laughs) So there's That's, that's cool. You're the common
1: denominator.
0: There's a common denominator with what people are experiencing, Um, and it is about vibration and frequency and non-duality and you know all of this kind of thing, um, which is incredible and it just confirms and confirms and you know I um, I was one of those people um, in my younger years where I didn't if I didn't see it, touch it, hear it, smell it. You know, if I if I couldn't use my okay. five, yeah, it didn't exist. you couldn't convince me that it existed.
1: No, this is real. That's not.
0: Yeah, yeah. me with that exactly. And so I was really big into the, the scientific aspect of things, and I couldn't the like the you know the the stuff that wasn't tangible, I couldn't access and I couldn't understand. And um, it wasn't until some really deep uh, psychedelic work that it all just became clear to me, you know, at, at what it was. And and I agree totally with what you say, which is like, for me, it's like the overlap of where spirituality meets science. Because to right. me, it's the same exact thing. I don't see them as being different. It's, it's like the things that we don't understand yet or some, you know, there is even information that we do understand and people still don't even see it, it scientifically. Right. And people right. still don't understand like quantum physics, you know, and like even just, you know, if you look at any particular um, atom, and you look at the electrons, and they are—they're moving, right? Mm-hmm. They're. I you know, I think everything is so physical um, and solid, but really, it's not. Um, and so, you know, even knowing that, but let me, but let me back up to the point where, for me, it's very much where the the overlap of science and spirituality happened, and my understanding of it now is that um, what we call spirituality is sort of what science hasn't quite figured out yet. Like we know your experience and it's there, but we don't have all the, the whole tangible scientific proof or answer. And so it seems more like maybe it exists, maybe it doesn't. But when you have these experiences, you know very clearly what you experience. And then, like I said, and you have people that keep coming back and reporting the same things over and over and over again, regardless of what mechanism they use. Right, right. Right? It's- to attain it. Right. You could say, oh, it's
1: LSD crazy. could be psilocybin, could be ketamine, could be right. whatever it is.
0: Could be song, could be meditation.
1: Could right? be the flow tank because I have it there too. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll look at the stars like, and that's through training, right? Like at, I know a grounding technique for me is go out and look at the stars. Go ahead and just try to isolate a planet up there and and all I have to do is look up and I'm in this new place. You know, it, it'll pull me immediately out of any funk that I might've been having. And there's nights where I'll resist doing that because I want to have a bad time in my head, you know, but I'll still do it because I'm better at it now. But, but that's, that's me leading into, to one of those dark places. So I I pay attention to those nuances now because I, um, because, because I have to, um, and it's a frequency. I mean, I'm vibrating at a lower level, something's off and I'm vibrating at a lower level. I try to, when I, when you use that in everyday conversation, um, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, a, it's, a diff, it's a different language. Like, what are you talking about? Vibrating at a lower level. Right. Um, right. But, but when you understand it, you know, you know, and, and you know in that space, because when I go into that space, like the, uh, Monday, um, so I came in and and I knew that I was feeling a little bit self-destructive. Um, I knew it. And, and, uh, but I didn't know it to that extent, you know? So when, when I went in there, I'm cruising along, you know, trying to going wherever I'm being driven. Right. And, and, uh, encountering a couple of people on the way. And, and, uh, and, and then these, um, these blips started coming up. It's never happened before like this, um, you know, sexual images uh, very quick, and I was talking to somebody the other day. I think I got a real problem with this whole pedophilia um, push. that's being. I got a problem with that being made uh, common language. I got a real, because I don't think it's what they're saying it is. Mm-hmm. Does it exist. And are there sick people? Yes. Is it institutionalized in the way they're saying? I don't believe so. And to put that out there as fact, when there's kids reading that, mm-hmm. I got a real problem with that. And then going in uh, with you, I started to, there were people in my life that were sexually abused. Um, And I started thinking about my neighborhood in Detroit and it was fucking prevalent. Like there was some weird shit that was going on in that neighborhood. And I think back, I'm like, well, that's sexual abuse. Like that 15 year old kid that's having the little, uh, the little, the little, uh, eight or six year old kids laid down naked on top of each other. There's nothing innocent about that. You know what I mean? But I started remembering that shit and I'm like, and then it makes me, it brings me back to, well, maybe it is common. Maybe it is institutionalized and maybe, maybe we got a war to fight, you know? So I don't know. I'm, but I know I've been real messed up inside about that because I don't like, I think it's very irresponsible to put that on a social platform mm-hmm. and you're constantly post, uh, save the kids. Right. And I'm like, their kids on there, they're on there. So if I'm a kid, I'm like, I got to save myself from school shootings. I have to save myself from, uh, from 24-hour bullying, mm-hmm. um, now I got to save myself from adults, and they all look the same. So exactly. right. I'm fucked. You know what I mean? Like,
0: right.
1: what are we doing to them when we? And, and the the thing that pisses me off is it's political positioning because you didn't hear about this three years ago. You know. Anyway, that's. But I I got through going in with you. I want to get back to that. I was able to see visually, like I would I would be cool, you know, and I'm just moving along, and then this little thing pops up. And that's my mind. That's what's going on in here. Like these neurons are firing this way. And I'm, I hit this neuron. I'm like, oh, shit. And this neuron was taking on. Uh, remember, the I said this looked like my dad out there, that, that one rock. Well, what I recognize now is his face kept changing. He, so he, his face was changing to match mine as my mood was changing in this space. It was thinking about it. It was insane. But it's not. Like, so this is this me devising my tactics that I'm going to carry to the outside and I'm watching my subconscious play out in real time. It was, again, one of the most profound experiences. I didn't know what to do with that when I first left, but the more, the more I chew on it, it's like how beautiful is that to be able to go to a place where you can watch it play out and understand it, you know?
0: Yes. Yes. You know when we talk about. Oh, oh, and by the way, I want to say you know for anyone who's listening or watching is that uh, Vince has uh, you know sort of given permission to talk openly about, <laughs> about his because normally I wouldn't. We wouldn't have this discussion because you know therapeutic space is confidential, of course, unless there's permission, and Vince was um, very uh, gracious to give permission to open this discussion up, which is pretty amazing.
1: If you go see Julie, she won't talk about you. I'm writing <laughs> a book.
0: Podcast and talk about you, I promise. <laughs> Um, but um, yeah, you know, this the thing about psychedelic experience is that it allows us to take our defenses down.
1: whether you want to or not, right?
0: whether you want to or not, you're going. <laughs> right, right. um, that's the beauty of it so that in in the way that you can then address the reality of what is going on, right it pinpoints directly, to the actual issue or to the actual thing that's kind of turning your head at the moment, or, you know, it really directly brings you through um, and it cuts out the bullshit, right? The bullshit that we the resistance and it, it cuts out the stuff that we're used to rationalizing it with. And we're used to covering it up with, and we're used to twisting it with, and it just sort of takes that away so that you can get to that place of pure Intuition, place of pure knowing, right? Your knowing for so the connection to self, and then it allows the connection to um, others quite a bit. It strengthens strengthens the connection to others, and then uh, strengthens connection to um, the the environment. And a lot of times, in the environment, we're talking about the entire planet, the entire solar system, the entire universe, the multiverse, right? <laughs> and, and, <laughs> Um, And that's the beauty of it. And so, in this particular situation, um, Vince uh, was able. You were able to. um, You were able to take the feelings of anger and maybe even rage, and frustration, and sadness, and fear, and take it outside of you. Mm. And it was a salt lamp. But and you were you were sort of you saw it within the salt lamp. It was like exit of you. So that you could actually see it and you could describe it and you could see it as sort of other in order to have like, um, uh, in order to relate to it, in order to have some type of relationship with it other than over consuming you.
1: Some objectivity is what it gave me. I got to stand outside of me.
0: Yeah.
1: And, uh, and then when I really got outside of that experience and I started to do my writing, right, and having converse, some conversations about it. I realized that that was me. I thought it was my dad. I looked just like my dad, but that was me. And and, and uh, and it would. I was starting. It's it's cool when you're in there and you start to come in, back into the the physical space, the the body, right? Because it's a lucid dream at that point. You know, once you once you get a little bit skilled in there. So I so I'm playing with things like things that are scary. I find a way around them. You know, I I'll bypass them. I'll I'll, I'll knock them down. I'll I'll do whatever. But I'll get around them. Where I used to get stuck, um, sometimes I turn into this ooze, this like disgusting uh, ooze that just oozes through. That doesn't really happen anymore. Not saying it can't, but here um, that was me manipulating it. it when I was changing the, the different faces. I, first, I interpreted that as my dad playing with me, my biological dad playing with me. But that's it was me. I like I go back and I'm like, well, that was me making those faces, and and that was the reflection, you know. So it, it was it was profound. Um, and I hope Norm's listening. I don't know if he is or not, but, uh, I know Norm, when we talked on a zoom last night about it, he's, he's, uh, he's a veteran also PTSD. Um, he's a very spiritual man, uh, knows everything about, uh, um, the course in miracles, but you know, like, like me, I, I know a lot of things, but if I can't bypass those blocks or if I can't find a place to where I can comfortably work with them, or uncomfortably work with them, but feel safe. I'm not getting out. Like I, this, this thing is too powerful.
0: Yeah. Right. And can you imagine how much traditional therapy it would take to get to that point? If you could.
1: It, well, yeah. Who has, <laughs> if you could like, cause they tried with me right. years right. and years and years and you know, and I was goodwill hunting people. Um, cause I'm telling you my cover story. Like I, and not intentionally, I'm protecting myself. Like, I, I feel like with everybody, I have to protect myself. So I'm going into all these places and I'm seeking help. There was no law telling me I had to, you know, I wasn't in trouble with it. I wanted to be better. And, uh, but I couldn't for the life of me tell the truth because I didn't see it that way. Like I, you know, I just, I had to present myself in a certain way so that I couldn't get, so that I couldn't be vulnerable. Yeah, And, and it was so counterproductive to, um, to anything that pertains to growth. And, uh, and it took, it took the birth of my son, um, quantum physics and ketamine. Those three things at, at the same time exposed me to unconditional love in a way that I couldn't deny it. And I, and I still remember the, uh, out of body experience. I'm, my son was down for his nap and I, had, uh, went to do my meditation. I took my, uh, took my dose of, uh, ketamine and I, uh, and I turned the secret on Cause I would just like to have it in loop in the back on something, you know, or what the bleep or whatever. Some That's what I had access to at the time. I've, it's, I've grown beyond that. but yeah. um, So I would leave it on loop. And then, uh, and then on this one, I, I, I remember standing outside of my body. My body's leaned over my son's high chair, just, you know, you can know, get catatonic in this state sometimes. And, uh, and I'm, and I look at me, the higher self looks at, you know, the physical me and, and in, in a real laughing way, he says you're an asshole. It was real loving, you know. It's the way I talk, right? Like it was real relatable. And in uh, you're doing and and, he's, and I said or I like I, there's no separation, but you're doing everything wrong. Mm-hmm. And that was it. From that moment forward, I couldn't stop thinking. I was reading three books a day on quantum physics, and, and then I would that was that would lead into Wayne Dyer and other types of books where there's these spiritualists or scientists turned spiritualists. Uh, Greg Braden, Bruce Lipton, I, I couldn't stop taking it in. When people talk about drugs, right, this this was illegal um, as a illicit street drug. I've never done any, I've never drank vodka and had it made me want to go read books on quantum physics and solve world problems. You know what I mean? Like, that's never happened. And my entire time, it's never happened. So there's a, there's a little bit of a hypocrisy there, Bruce.
0: Well, and I want to say something, too. Actually, it reminded me, I wanted to say this before when you were speaking about this idea that, um, you know, this psychedelic experience and how incredibly profound and opening and expanding and healing it is, yet most of these substances are are illegal.
1: Mm -hmm. There's stigma.
0: There's stigma. It creates such a dynamic. Like, here you go to have this really in-depth spiritual healing experience And then you're concerned about, you know, am I going to get in trouble for this or what if, and you know what I mean? And how do you obtain the substance? And, and then, you know, if you want someone to sit with you or guide you or, you know, then how do you, how do you do that? And that, you know, and it just, it it really creates, I'm really happy that we can work with a legal substance, ketamine. Um, Super incredible that it works so incredibly for you, Vince, but there are other people who um, find that their medicine is something else they may find their medicine as LSD or they may find their, um, their medicine is DMT or mushrooms or whatever. And those people are still having to get treatment um, or use their medicine um, illegally.
1: Yeah.
0: And it's really a problem. It's really a problem. It's like, it's like the anti healing like thought, you know what I mean? Like it's, and so, you know, I've been working really hard um, on at least starting within the city of Ann Arbor to decriminalize these substances. Um, yeah, I, I saw that. Yeah, so a little plug for Decriminalize Nature Ann Arbor. Um, we're working really hard because as a therapist, it's really, you know, you want to just be able to say yes to everybody. You yes. want To be able to, someone finds a medicine that they think is going to work for them or they know works for them and they're looking for help because they don't want to do it alone Mm. or they can't find the substance or they want a safe space to do it or whatever, right? And I can't help them.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's a tough position.
0: It's tough. And I'm so thankful that we have ketamine as an option. Yeah. Cause that's at least a starting point. And we're working, like I said, in Ann Arbor, we're working with city council right now to decriminalize and it's looking, it's looking like there's a potential of doing that in the next couple months, at least putting it up for a vote. Um, and then seeing how the rest of council feels about it. We know how a portion of council feels about it. Um, and then, you know, there's this thing that I kind of want to mention too. There's this thing called the right to try act. Most people have never heard of it. Um, it was signed into law in Michigan in 2014, and um, it, there's now a federal right to try act as well. And what
1: it, find this.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and I'll tell you what it is real quick. It's, an, it's a law that says that if you have a terminal diagnosis, um, it, it, you know, terminal, and and let me just say a little caveat to that. When you're working with really depressed people who are on the border of suicide, especially for long periods of time, I would consider that a terminal diagnosis, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And um and it says that if you have a drug and that drug has passed FDA clinical trials, past one, you know, phase one clinical trials, that and you have a terminal diagnosis, you are legally allowed to try that substance. Now
1: I didn't know that. I'm gonna put it on our page
0: later. Oh, good. The things that are in um, phase that are past phase one that I am familiar with are MDMA. MDMA is phase three clinical trial right now, and psilocybin. Psilocybin is phase two clinical trial right now.
1: So you got to get to one.
0: You have to get through one, and they have. Through one. they are already okay. through one. So technically, according to the Right to Try Act in the state of Michigan. You could potentially use psilocybin and MDMA. Now, um, it, it's a little trickier than that because it's about how do you source the psilocybin and MDMA. You know, they say, well, reach out to the pharmaceutical company. Well, we've been having a heck of a time even trying to narrow down the one pharmaceutical company that legally makes MDMA in, in Europe. Um, and there's patents, there's all kinds of political red tape. Mm -hmm. that makes it, has so far made it impossible for us to get through that part of it. But we're working on it. We're working with an attorney. It's something that we're working on. Um, I know some people. What's that? I
1: said, I know some people.
0: (laughs) Well, right. Well, that's the thing. It's like, so here's that position again, where it's like, okay, well, um, we legally can do this. Now, how do we source it? right? Right? I don't want to get anybody in trouble by any means. You know, you're trying to heal. So you definitely don't want to add the element of the potential of, you know, someone getting in trouble for either sourcing it or having it right. Right.
1: Um, Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's gotta be the hardest part because you know, it works. You see it. You are the common denominator. I know it works experientially. And the people that I've congregated with on this, well, they know it works too. And And I've also had near-death experiences that didn't involve ketamine because I almost died. Um, And I've and I've had peak experiences where it's the same feeling, like this oneness. There's there's no question, and every there like there's this just this it's oneness. It's the the non-dual. You reach the non-dual, and you don't know how long you're there because there there's no mind anymore, right? But when you're back, you know you visited, and you know what that felt like. Yeah. Um, and to know that you can get that. Um, you can offer that, and not be able to. So, like you said, some people won't respond to ketamine in the same way that I didn't. In fact, a lot of people I know don't. You know, but some do. Some do. I'm I'm wired that way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't respond to psil- psilocybin. And it uh, was fun to me, but it, there was nothing profound there. You know, I I I think I was too conscious. Like I, I could I could make too much sense, and then I could play games with it, and it was it was fun and hilarious. You know, but, but I needed something. I needed to be ripped out. Like I needed to be ripped right out of my, my skin. Um, that DMT did that for me too. Just mm-hmm. ripped you right out. I don't ever need to do that again. Like that was, I I, I, I I that right there. I got to sit on the other side and I'm like, Oh, so everything I, I believe is true. I'm, I'm out. <laughs> let me get back over here. Now and I got it. And let me not take life so seriously now. Ah. You know, I got to pierce the veil. Um, but it, it, it's got it's got to be extremely tough because I, I want to irresponsibly offer people everything, you know. And I, I know that like now that I know what it's like to sit with a therapist and um, and be guided, uh, it's irresponsible, you know. It, but but you get so excited. You, you know it. You, you just want to share. And I'll always share the experience, but I always have to provide the disclaimer that, um you know, when I first did it, I don't know if I could call it a true addiction that I, cause I wasn't addicted to it, but I didn't want to not be with it. You know what I mean? Until I, until I had uh, the, the experience without it. And I, th- I don't know if it was uh it was, it was in meditation. I had the experience and I, and I got there and I was like, that's what they're talking about. So if I discipline myself, um, I can, you know, I can start to access this more freely. And, uh, and, but I, that had to happen because I believed it was a substance. I didn't believe it was me. Uh, I didn't believe I had access. I was tricked into thinking this was the thing and it was going to guide me. That's an
0: important point. That is such an important point about, um, it's an opening, right? It provides Mm -hmm. you the opening, it provides you the way to get there. Um, but you absolutely, we all have access to it all the time, right? That's what's so crazy. And you start to realize, you know, um, that um once especially especially once you've had really intense psychedelic experiences like for example um i've had some experiences with uh with the bufo toad with five emio. oh you yeah.
1: that's with a practitioner yeah that's next with a practitioner i'm not i ain't going there myself but yeah. i let me hear it.
0: yes i and i with that one i say you you want to have a practitioner there with you yeah, yeah. Yeah, I actually, um, there is a, a medical doctor who does some traveling, um, around the world actually, and offers this. Um, and so from time to time, he'll come through. Um, and that was kind of, I was really, I was called to it. I was absolutely called to it. Um, and, uh, the opportunity came and I just felt like it was the thing for me to do. And once I had even just one experience with the Bufo toad, um, I realize way more now how accessible it is to me, and now I can reach those states um, without psychedelics often, and then also with smaller amounts of psychedelics. I do it just like blasts me open.
1: Because that's the thing, right? It, it, like me too. Like all I need to do is be reminded of it. Yeah. Something because once you've experienced it, mm-hmm. just the reminder of it is enough to you know. You start to feel safe and that's for somebody with ptsd which you know i, I, I still i still have to combat it on it on a daily it's nowhere that it has nowhere near the pull on me that it used to um but uh, but that's that's the whole thing right there's a part of my subconscious that's a little kid and it's still trying to protect me in yeah. an, an environment where i don't need to be protected
0: right but
1: when i get fed the trigger and the information can't get past the amygdala into the neocortex Right. I'm not responsible for this anymore. Like I am, from a physical perspective, every action that I take—that's still me. Right.
0: right. But I've
1: lost—I've lost my access. Like I, and now that I understand that in people, when I, it, it makes things—it makes dealing with people a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. and I went off on a tangent on that, but uh, because I because I started thinking about George Floyd, you know, and and uh, the the just the lack of knowledge that people have in trauma. Right, everybody goes through it. Yeah. now not everybody's gonna get PTSD, you know, but you're gonna experience trauma and yeah. your ability um to to deal with trauma effectively comes from your attachment to your caregivers, right, at a young age. So we're all gonna have a varied level of how we're able to deal yeah. with this.
0: Yeah. So
1: when I saw the George Floyd, I don't know if you watched the whole thing, but um So I watched it and I I couldn't watch the, you know, the first news snippets. I couldn't see that guy with his knee on his neck. It was too, too much for me. That's all I need to see. And and I, I know what's happening, but, uh, but then I watched the whole tape. They leaked the the body cam. Um, and I wanted to see everything leading up to Mm -hmm. the, uh, the incident and the murder. Mm -hmm. Um, and what I saw was lawful up to, you know, where he put his knee on his neck. And, but but what I also saw, because I've been there, I know what it's like when my eyes go dark and people have told me what that is. And I've I've even been able to catch glimpses in and out of this mode. And Uh I know what that looks like. So I saw this this officer knock on his window with a flashlight, saw George Floyd turn around, you know, a little startled, then the gun. As soon as that gun came out, I saw his eyes go dark. Mm -hmm. And then I heard him say, please don't shoot me, Mr. Officer. And my heart broke. Like immediately, I'm like, oh, shit. Because because I knew that there's this kid in his brain, right? And he's been shot by cops. He lived the experience of of the majority of, of black people in America, yeah. But especially black men. But so he he, he now he's in fight or flight. He can't. He, and everybody's ta- talking about him being erratic. Maybe he was on drugs. Doesn't matter because that adrenaline is going to supersede the drugs. He's in fight right. or flight. He's fighting for his life. Right. And I knew because because of what I know that. Okay, so you get the guy in cuffs and you take him over to a curb and you sit him down and you sit across from him and say, tell me what you're, you know, what are you talking about? What, what's the problem? You're claustrophobic. Oh, I, I understand that. I get that. Within about five minutes, he starts to come back. You know what I mean? You can talk him off that ledge because I know you can yeah. talk me off that ledge if somebody listens. Yes.
0: Yeah. yeah. But if you're
1: not trained to do that, if right. you're to just, you, you got to maintain control and oh. then this is the possibility.
0: That's right. You know, it goes a Yeah.
1: Yeah, it it really speaks to um, we've all been traumatized by different things. If you live in America, we've all been traumatized by the system of racism, whether you want to believe it or not. White, black, whatever. We didn't agree to it. We didn't create it, but we lived it. You know what I mean? Until people start admitting that there's some trauma, some unresolved trauma, which is painful to do. um, We won't be well. And maybe, maybe it takes you and what you guys are doing to to say, hey, let's, let's get in this session here and at least feel that, uh, that, that there might be another place out there that you might want to access, you know?
0: Yeah, yes. I, we, you and I talked about that a few days ago, and, I, and I've been thinking about that. And it also um, came up. I did a talk this weekend, and um, I had uh, someone who drove up from um, somewhere down south, I don't know, somewhere near Atlanta. And she had talked about, you know, she works in a fire station and she watches the, the first responders, the, the, the firemen and women and the policemen and women, you know, going and, and experiencing very severe trauma and then coming back. And she watches how it plays out, you know, over the years. Um, and she actually came to my talk because she was interested in the question that she asked was, how can I start to have the conversations with these people, with the people that I work with? about working with psychedelic medicines for their trauma and for their PTSD and why it's necessary. (laughs) Right. And, and she, she came all the way up to my talk just to have that conversation with me, um, to be able to bring them back. And I was, it, it just blew my mind. I was so happy. Um, but really, 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 um, this medicine can play a major role in the systemic change that we yeah. happen in this way, I mean it. You know, I mean I can't even like state it enough. It 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 if it could play a role in the systemic change I and mean, in the training and in the in the response in the treatment and therapy of um, anyone coming back from war, right? or policemen firemen um and first responders um oh my god could you imagine vince can you imagine the change i do i do i mean i
1: was an extreme case i still am i'm still you know i'm still very extreme. i'm not as polarized i think i control it now a lot better than i used to but you know i i didn't realize how like i i wouldn't i would yell at you for telling me that I was mad because I'm not mad. You know what I mean? Like, you know, but, but then I'd have calluses just from driving to the store and I'd have holes dug into my, uh, the carpet of my, my, uh, my, uh, car mats, because that's just how I drove. Like I, I just lived, I was rigid all the time, but I didn't know it. I had no idea and nobody could convince me. Um, so I think about it all the time. If, if we know that these blocks exist, you know, and what really fascinated me when I started reading about ketamine was, uh, they were putting people in five day ketamine comas over in England. People with chronic pain disorders. There's no yeah. pain yeah. in the body. You know, they, there's it's it's here. There's a block. Yeah. There's pain, and the, yeah, and they would reset. it. People would get yeah. off. They did. They didn't even know. They knew that they couldn't walk before, but there was the response to to feel that pain or not be able to. It was gone.
0: Yeah, was they, like, they, they, they changed. That, changed. Yeah, that,
1: that is fascinating. So. If we look at, you know, all all this is this chemical buildup in our brain, right? And neurological well, the neural pathways get formed, right? You yeah. know, from, from the time we're children. And then we live though we our, our options start to dissipate because we're in this pathway frequency. You know what I mean? Oh this, this is where God. we're vibrating, you know.
0: And our bodies too, you know, we have cell memory within our bodies, right? And so it's often this interplay between the brain and the body, right? And um yeah, and I know that that's such a great example of what happens after, you know, uh and that was like a, a long time of in, of inducing right ketamine experience, but the, the results are just outstanding and it just it's such a good example of how we can change our brain. You know, the beauty the beautiful thing really about ketamine and about mushrooms um is that you know when we're young, our brain is we have, we can form new neurons, right? We can, you know, there's growth happening in the brain. Um, and the older we get, the more atrophy we have in the brain, but also the more, the, the less we're able to um, have neurogenesis, right? And neuroplasticity, right? So the ability to, to not just have new neurons forming, but then actually being able to figure out new paths for them to go, right? And and these psychedelic medicines have the ability, laboratory proven. So this is not just sort of like you know this is our guess anymore. Like we know this is happening in the brain, and it's actually allowing us to form new pathways in the brain. It's we we see it on the uh, on the research, and it, it's and it, people feel like I've lived like this for so long, I can't change. You know, you know, that kind of stuff. And it's it's not true. You can change your brain. Can actually change
1: and that's what I when you started saying that I'm like I got to come back to entropy or even entropy but I, it, it, the way I understand it is that it's a choice right maybe not a conscious one um, but it's a choice um, and epigenetics has proven that 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 you can alter your DNA you're not you're not prisoner to your DNA it yeah. takes uh, extreme circumstances or choice or both. Um, to to put that work in and do that thing, but everything seems to be reversible. If if you can get your mindset, even you know Greg Braden talks about um, how time isn't linear, and I I agree with that. That time isn't linear. That it's all frequency. I it makes sense. Michi um explained this in a way that it, where frequency made absolute sense. To where there's one dimension here, 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 and it's all kind of like radio waves just floating through. But I'm tuned into this. Mm-hmm. So if so if some alien were to tune me into another one, well, I immediately teleport to that. You know what I mean? But, uh, and that's kind of out there for some people, but there's science to it, you know? Um, but the, the uh, degradation of, of our brain and, and our ability to, to regrow is I believe choice. And I, I believe that through the psychedelic experience, so it, it Whatever that is, it doesn't have to be a psychedelic. It could be a religious experience, yeah, peak experience, whatever, near yeah. death, whatever yeah. it is. Something that goes in there and and knocks these neural pathways open by force, almost, to where you can't deny the experience, and and the world becomes different because you've experienced the truth now that you were blocked off from. That's an amazing thing. That's a, it's a it's a it's
0: incredible. It's incredible, and one of the things that they see in brains of even younger people who have pretty severe depression and PTSD is they can see the atrophy of the brain. They can actually see it at the younger ages, right? And so you can imagine at a you know the earliest time that you can start to use things that are going to help your brain be generative, right, and be regenerative. Is and that's why you know I get upset because at this point in time, ketamine specifically, and also the other psychedelics, mostly because they're illegal, but also because people think they're like on the fringe. But they're used as last choice. Like I have, like I've done everything yeah. I could. I've taken every medicine. I've done every kind of therapy. I all
1: these all these uh, psychotropics. This that uh, was on difficult and you know,
0: yeah. And they shock the brain. They do everything they could possibly do, and then when there's nothing else, you know, we're talking five, ten, twenty, thirty, forty years later after you've been revolving through this mental health system, yeah, yeah, yeah. then they say, "Oh, there's nothing else I can offer you. Hey, why don't you go try ketamine? Like the come thing, on, right? the thing that would have
1: worked in the first place and killed right. all of that.
0: You, you you could have
1: saved yourself forty years and damage to the brain. Exactly. People and kill themselves
0: in a miserable life that you went through for four years. So, um. You know, we've got to change the system and, and and the psychedelics, because they're illegal, obviously, you know, aside from ketamine um, are, are that last chance. But once they even become, once they even start to trickle into the legal system and they start to decriminalize and we can use them, it's, it, that still is going to be the reality for most people. It's going to be the last chance I've given up on everything. This is my only hope left. And I really want to get the message out there that we should not be thinking of these medicines that way. These are like, you know, ketamine, in my opinion, is first line of defense. When we're talking about severe mental illness and suicide, it is the first line of defense. In my
1: yeah. yeah. Ketamine is? Yeah. You say ketamine? Okay.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I hope I didn't kill the live for everyone. Oh, no. I, I mean, It'll be there. It'll be there. I'll repost. No, I think it's there. I can't tell. I don't know what I'm doing anymore.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, not to get off track. Um, so, uh, do you want to talk? Cause I know there's some people on here that, um, that are definitely interested in what it is you do specifically and how they could, they might be able to access you and, um, the different places that you're at.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I, a couple different things. Like one, I mentioned, I, um, I'm the founder and director of decriminalized nature Ann Arbor. So that's dna2.org. And that's an organization that, so if you live in Ann Arbor, we need you because we need you to contact your council person and tell them that you support our resolution. That's, that's going to be in front of their faces for a vote in the next couple months here. Um, I'm also the founder and president of Michigan psychedelic society. Um, M I psychedelic society.org. That is a group that, um, is a community group. It's a way a place where you can go and, and have these discussions with people. Um, get some education. We do events, we do speakers, we do grow your own mushroom workshops, we do all kinds of cool stuff. Um and then um I um have two of my own businesses. Those those two are like their nonprofit and political campaigns. So my own business is Transpersonal Michigan. That's my private practice and I work with people to prepare them for psychedelic experiences and help them integrate afterward. Um, and I do an integration group, although with COVID, we have stopped. So we'll pick that back up again when we can. And that's a group process for people who have had psychedelic experiences or thinking about doing them. Is um, that the Wednesday? That is Wednesdays. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And then those are stopped for now? Does yeah, it for
0: now. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and we tried to do them online once COVID happened and that worked for a few weeks. And then like the numbers just dwindled and you can't really have a group of one or two people. And so, you yeah. know, I just, you know, decided to hold off on that for a little bit. And there are other integration groups online um, that other, in other places of the country that you now have access to because they're all online. <laughs> so um, like people can always join those. And then um, I do, I have a lot of different businesses. So I a lot of different, like I, my hands are in lots of different like pots uh, here. Um, I do cannabis counseling. So people have health conditions and they're looking to use cannabis. Um, that business is called Blue Sage Health. That's been around for about four years now. Um, it was my full time everything for quite a while. And um, now this other stuff has kind of come for uh, before that. And that's like a little bit more on the back burner. But I still, you know, still do that like one day a week. Um, and then I work as a clinical ketamine therapist at Michigan Progressive Health, which is both in Royal Oak and Ann Arbor. So if you're looking to work with ketamine, I would say, reach out to me through Michigan Progressive Health. Um, if you're looking, you know, if you're looking for actual like ketamine experiences, like Vince is talking about, like the IV drips or the IM, if you just want to enhance therapy with, um, with ketamine, um, meaning that you could work with a therapeutic relationship in my private practice at my transpersonal Michigan practice. And then we can include um, oral ketamine. Um, it's one way to kind of help break barriers down. You're still, you're not dissociating much. You're just getting a little bit of a help break the barriers down. So we can have a little bit more in depth talk therapy. Is I, kind see, of is. Can
1: I speak on that for a second. Yeah. And if so my, my experience with um, dosing, right. Which is what we, um, it wasn't so at the psychedelic dose, you get that experience and there's these deeply profound things happening. What I noticed with dosing. And again, this is because for, you know, what I've had to deal with, I need to monitor um, my behavioral patterns throughout the day to make sure I'm not slipping into a pattern of self-destruction. And what I noticed with dosing because I'm paying attention um, is that bad habits don't happen. Um, Like, you know, there's sometimes I just want to walk to the fridge I'm not hungry, but I, but I'm going to do that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, even if I'm not hungry, if there's an urge, which is somewhat of a self-destructive urge to grab whatever crap is there in my face. Um, you know, so, so I noticed that, um, that they don't exist. Like, and I noticed that you can actually lose weight doing ketamine. Like if you do it like that, because you just don't want to eat when you don't want to eat, like when your body's not craving fuel. So if, if you're in a dark place, I don't know that you, you're going to benefit because you might not see that you're maybe looking for something extreme, but that was my experience is that, uh, that those, those, um, those faulty behavioral patterns, they dissipate naturally.
0: Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And again, it's the shutting down of the the normal communication pathways of the brain, right? That's what psychedelics and, and ketamine are doing is they're, Shutting down your normal pathways, those habituated pathways, yeah. pathways that are sort of become our default, right? Yeah. They're shutting them down. And that's what we talk about when we, when we talked a minute ago about like allowing new pathways, right? Allowing neuro neurogenesis and allowing neuroplasticity, new pathways to grow. That's what it's doing. So that's why it's so profound for addiction, that's why it's so profound for PTSD and for any type of like mental health issue and pain, like you mentioned about pain. Because we have these pathways that are just set down in our brain, and our brain just keeps going on those pathways. Mm-hmm. It's habituated. It's biological. It's not even just, I don't know what's wrong with me. I can't stop doing this. It's literally engraved into your brain. So it, it's not simple to just say, I'm not going to do this anymore, right? I mean, it's a, it's not that simple, and people get really down on themselves. And they, I don't think they understand the biology of it. But then at the same time, understanding the biology of it allows you to know that you can change it, right? That's,
1: That's why we're trying to bring the um, the, the conversation on racism, right? Um, it doesn't have to be, look, that's a dark stain on America. Um, but where we are now, you know, you're not, you didn't make it happen, but you gotta understand you're traumatized by it. So let's let's get to the conversation about trauma and, and let's try to under, my trauma is not gonna be the same as an African-American uh, man in America. Right. I, you know, I, I've experienced trauma, but I can relate in terms of trauma. When I looked at George Floyd's eyes, I know that, I know it well. Yeah. I don't know what he's experiencing, but I know where he got off and I know where he went to and yeah. I knew how to bring him back, you know, like, so, Yeah. so I think that's where the conversation needs to go. It's like, how do we, how do we get to, let's, let's all just, okay, don't call yourself a racist. Don't call yourself anything. Let's just say I've been traumatized. I, I and I, I, know that you have too, and I recognize that. And you kind of, kind of like a namaste for trauma, Like yeah. I, I see it in you and you see it in me. Now let's talk about that. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and and then then I think people can start having open. That's a way to open neural pathways without without the drug. Like if, but who's going to have those conversations? There's going to be a select few, right? Our yeah. groups will be very small, um, but or maybe not. Um, but I, you know, I like what you, I like what's going on in the uh, in the world today because when you talk about uh, you talk about um, consciousness mm-hmm. and you know neuroscience. You said uh, uh, spirituality is just what um, science hasn't figured out yet. Well, and without them admitting it, they say it. You know, so so what do they call what do they call consciousness and neuroscience? The hard problem.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, they, they relegate it to that. Say we don't know where it comes from. Right. We don't know. You know what I mean? It's, it, mm-hmm. We would like to say it's a bunch of uh, mechanisms in the brain, and but we can't. Um, right. So we're going to call it the hard problem. And then me, Sam Harris, I'm going to go start a meditation group and get really serious and know what that energy is. But they're going to tell him the leader of the new atheist movement, which he doesn't consider. You know what I mean? But and I love Sam Harris. I love taking in information from everybody I can get it from. And I'm sitting back here watching. I'm like, you know, you know what I mean? You're just not saying you don't want because you're going to feel woo woo. That's it. You're also afraid of feeling woo woo. But you have a meditation practice and you're a neuroscientist who calls yourself agnostic. Right. So, but you know that energy's there and, right. you, and uh, you'll just call it a hard problem because you can't figure it out.
0: Right. You know, right. yeah. but, it, but
1: it, it's all relative. It's all yeah. relative. And you know, ketamine for me was the uh, pathway. It was the thing that, uh, that my logic could only take me so far. I could only read so many books I could only intellectual, intellectualizing was a default yeah. mechanism. It was a defense yeah. mechanism.
0: You can only yeah. theorize so much. You have to embody, right? You, you, you know it when you embody it, when you live it, when you experience, when the theoretical mind matches the embodiment, yeah.
1: right? Yeah. When they they have to, they have to, there has to be that union at some point. Yeah. And they, they are distinct things because the yeah. physical realm phenomena that we live in has made them you know, from the 16th yeah. century, when science and church separated completely, it's been this warring faction. And, you know, it doesn't have to be. It's all relative. Yeah.
0: Right. I was out at, exactly.
1: I was yeah. out at the uh, Conference for Consciousness and Human Evolution in London last year. It was with uh, Greg Braden, um, uh, Rupert Sheldrake. Um, there's some amazing scientists turned spiritualists. And to be amongst that energy, like these quantum physicists that are... And uh, I what her name. She, she was a lovely lady. I can't remember what her name is. She's a quantum physicist, super, super intelligent. I probably have a book back here, but we're losing time. She, uh, I just, I'll leave this out there. She, she called, I, I wanted to talk to her about entropy. Mm. And I said, entropy doesn't, uh, I, I, I don't, I don't perceive it as uh, degradation or um, chaos in the way that a lot of people perceive it. It seems like it's something different. She's like, she's like, it is. She said, uh, what I call it is the big breath
0: because
1: mm, ah. literally what is entropy but the accumulation of more information so when you pass there's more information going out there there's the conservation of energy and so we're continuously growing but we see it as different humans see it as different dogs don't see it as different they just go to the next whatever um and i think through psychedelics you can you can uh you can start to access that space where you're not attached to uh the ideas of of the, the, the subconscious faulty program that was and the limitations,
0: barriers. yeah, the barriers, yeah,
1: that, that limits you from living, stagnates yeah. you, yeah, yeah, yes. Yes. yeah, no, we could talk about this forever. Um, <laughs> do you want to say anything on the way out? We got we got the two minute,
0: um, you know, I, I this is what I love to do, you know, this is my passion, this is my work, um, my life's work, you know, and it's, it's a beautiful thing that I um, have. You know, found that like I know I'm in the right place. I know I'm doing the right work, um, and I always love the opportunity for discussion and opening the conversation. So I'm just really thankful that you that you did that today and and um, had this discussion with me. Thank you.
1: We'll do it again for sure. And um, I'm gonna anybody who asks because I I don't have anyone here checking messages and I don't want to be too rude. Um, I'll get to their messages and I'll provide your information. On Michigan Progressive Health and and uh, you know hopefully we can. Guide some more people down this path and illuminate the space that we occupy. You know,
0: awesome. be the change. But yeah, right, well, I
1: appreciate it, Julie. Okay, I'll see you tomorrow. We'll
0: see you tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. All right. Have a good night. God. All right. Bye, everyone. Keep your questions coming.